What's going on, everybody? Aaron Parker back on the podcast again. AP and us, what is going on? I hope everyone's doing really well. It's good to tune back in, finally. It's about damn time. I thought, look, 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 listen, it's been too long. Way too long. So I'm thinking, let's get back on the podcast. Let's see what I can do. Let's see what type of action I can try and create here. So basically, been a long, long time since I've been on here. It's been about a month and a half, maybe even two months since I've actually come on and do a podcast now. I'll tell you what, it feels good to be back on. It feels really, really good. It's good to be back in my zone, be back in my element all over again and see what I could do from here. So I'm pretty happy with how everything's going. Like, what are we doing here? Um, we have so much more left in the tank and I think I got a little bit complacent and comfortable with only just a few episodes and I'm thinking, man, I have way more in the bag that I can give to everybody in terms of knowledge, information, and just insight into training, life, just general, anything, really. So let's talk about training, okay? So what's training looking like? What's the log looking like? So I did a powerlifting meet. The, the numbers were all right for a debut. So a one, 130 squat, um, a 170 deadlift, and a 105 bench, which was a PR. So I felt pretty good. It was a good day. It was fun. It was enjoyable. But a, a part of me is like, man, that's not good enough because there was some numbers that I reckon I could have got on the board, particularly with squatting. Squatting 130 is pretty mediocre. Um, but at the same time, I never practiced the low bar squat, so I wasn't really expecting an, an insane number with the, with the barbell squat. So I was reasonably happy with how well it went and what numbers I got from the barbell squat knowing that I didn't train the low bar positioning or the actual squat relative to the, the training or anything like that so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how that went deadlift felt crazy good but I couldn't get up 200 and that was a mental thing mental thing for me man with deadlifts is something like squatting I could stay very very calm get under the bar and just squat the bar but deadlifts are another beast for me deadlifts is like warfare for me mentally um it's it's tough for me man i, I just can't i can't lock and load on a deadlift like i can a bench and a squat squat i can get out of the bar i can have an aggression towards it like an actually i can actually be very aggressive towards the squat bar but for deadlifting i i, I can't do that i can't do that um and the front squat i try to attempt a belted front squat 120 one time and that wasn't necessarily even my legs that gave out it was more my upper back that gave in that's why like front squatting you got to be really careful with because like man front squats can hammer your upper back like upper back gains wise your thoracic region is going to get absolutely just dominated from front squatting if you haven't got a strong strong and mobile upper back so yeah front squatting is another beast but anyway that's not the point I reckon if you want to get a if you want to de get a damn good um, conventional deadlift, you need a front squat, and you need to front squat very free. Even Zercher squatting does pretty all right for an accessory. It's not as good as a front squat, but man, I tell you what, like um, Zercher squatting for deadlifting, it does the trick because it's going to hit the same things like a, the abdominals, and the, it's going to absolutely destroy your upper back. Like people think that um, 
Front squatting hammers your upper back. Zercher squats are another animal, man. They absolutely destroy your upper back as well, man. Same with overhead squatting. Overhead squatting, I reckon, hammers your upper back as well, surprisingly. Uh, safety squat bars destroy your upper back. The only exercise or like squatting variation that doesn't really hammer home that upper back is like stuff like rear foot elevated, front foot elevated split squats and high bar, ba high bar back squatting and that's it. And low bar, of course. So like those variations don't really annihilate your upper back. But what I've been noticing recently has been a micro dosage of uh, adductor work. So a lot of small micro dosage of daily adductor work has been absolutely crazy for my athletic and just for my legs as well. My legs are getting crazy huge because of my adductors. I'm able to get to a point now where I'm able to hold like grab a 15 kilo dumbbell, put that on my hips and go for a Copenhagen plank for like three sets of 30 seconds, which is pretty fucking strong like that's that's strong shit for your adductors man but i saw one dude man he was able to hold like a 150 pound dumbbell for a copenhagen plane that's just psychotic man that's psychotic but i want to get to a point where i can like go like maybe 20 20 20 kilos for four sets of 45 seconds on the copenhagen plank that's my goal by the end of the year um i i just want to get stupid strong adductors like i want my adductors to be disgusting strong man i don't know what it is about the adductors for me man but i'm obsessed about training the adductors for me it's like adductors tibialis anteriors hip flexors and uh like just like the foot like the foot is another one for me as well so like the adductors the foot the ankle uh, the soleus muscle is another one as well because of my Achilles tendonitis. I've had like 12 plus years, no, 15 plus years of that battle with Achilles tendonitis. I don't get any more, um, but I noticed that once I start to hammer home calf work and lower leg work and start to really improve my feet strength, my foot strength and my ankle stability, usually it tends to work itself out, the Achilles. And I don't do too much too quickly either. So if I do too much sprinting, if I do too much of something, usually my knees can get a little bit stingy with tendon it's not tendonitis but they can get stingy so that's where you just got to learn how to load manage so like saturday i've got sprints and jumping but what i'm going to do is i'm going to do three sets of 10 meters backwards um just with like two and a half kilos and then probably do like 15 to 20 jumps on saturday and then uh that's gonna be like very early in the morning so i have to get to coburnock at about 5 15 or 5 30 so it's, it's an early it's an early start uh, the reason why I'm doing that is just so I can get enough time between my AM and PM. Um, because I'm doing double sessions on Saturdays now. Double sessions is going to be a permanent thing as well. And what I noticed when I did the double session on Saturdays, um, the first time around, I did a triple session on last Saturday, which was fucking brutal. And I'm not going to do that again. So I would do, I did the jumping athletic work with the lads. So I did sprinting, did a little bit of isometrics. Um, I love the, the, it's like a calf race split squat. So it's like a floating heel split squat. I like to call it. Um, me and Austin absolutely adore that variation and rightfully so, man. I reckon it's the greatest isometric hold ever, like ever. I don't like to claim stuff like that or call exercise the best, but that is the best isometric hold ever, ever. Like anybody can debate me on it. Anybody can battle me on it. But in terms of a lower leg and like ankle stability and just looking like a fucking badass as well. That is a ridiculously incredible isometric. I reckon it's the best one ever. And ever since starting doing that as well, I've noticed that I just feel a little bit more poppy, like quote unquote poppy. I feel a bit more springy. I feel a little bit more just lighter on the feet, even though I'm heavier than I used to be. 
like I'm at about 88 to 90 kilos of flux rate around that so at this point I feel way more athletic now than what I did at 80 kilos six months ago which is good so that means I'm getting relatively strong and I'm also getting just more muscle mass I'm just getting more jacked uh, I'm practicing power as well so I'm practicing like throws med ball slams overhead tosses uh, plyo jumps um, so I'm introducing like I'm getting an introductory phase into plyometrics as well now so I'm just becoming a way stronger stronger athlete in the gym and out of the gym my recovery is better I'm eating more food I'm hydrating myself much better so I'm just turning into a more complete well more recovered athlete than ever before ever and I'm probably still staying around that 17% body fat so I'm not obese but I'm not I'm not overweight um, if I was getting to that point I'd definitely go check myself out to like mentally to say hey you know you need to cut down on the weight but um, I have to cut down on the, on the weight anyway for my jumping that's just how it is now so when I get back into the jumping I need to start to cut down weight uh, because walking around like a 17% body fat jumping it's possible to dunk at that body fat percentage for sure but I want to be more lean so I have a more sustainable and more durable career in the quote unquote jumping game or the athletic game so I'm an athlete at heart so like this type of jumping area or like this type of training is my it's my jam but the only thing I've always wanted to be is I wanted to be like a meathead so I've wanted to be a meathead and athletic so I've wanted to be a best of both worlds I wanted to be jack as hell and strong as shit that I can be ready for a powerlifting meet but I also want to be able to dunk a basketball you know so I want to be get to a point where I can compete in a bodybuilding competition I want to get to a point where I can compete in a powerlifting competition and I want to get to a point where I can get into a dunk contest like it's it's almost like a triplet that it seems impossible but with the right training the right nutrition the right sleep and the right period and the right not periodization because uh, I'm not a fan of periodizing to be honest with you for most athletes um, I prefer an auto regulation type of approach where the client can choose certain variations of squatting or deadlifting that they enjoy so if they wanted to front squat and snatch grip deadlift or even just conventional deadlift then they can and if, if that keeps them adhered to their program then so be it man so be it and at least with like front squatting and conventional deadlifting conventional deadlifting is much more of a posterior chain dominant exercise whereas the front squat is more quad dominant so it's going to kind of play itself out pretty nicely anyway if that's what they want to choose even if they wanted to do high bar back squatting atg style squatting man who gives a damn just let them lift let them lift and this is the thing that a lot of coaches don't give nowadays to their clients is it it's a, it's an autonomy the ability to have a freedom and a bit of diversity in their programming where they have enough of a uh, variety or range where it's not too much variety where they're getting a little bit off of the quote-unquote program hopping but it's enough it's enough it's enough variety that they're happy right because there is some people out there that need a bit of variation I don't need much variation anymore uh, once I stick to a program I'm gonna stick to the program so of course I had about four to five months of like a hypertrophy muscle mass phase uh, around Jan maybe around February when I had my toe injury so February to about June mid like maybe towards the powerlifting meet so yeah about early June like so early February to early June would be that like muscle mass phase for me now it's more about getting strong as shit 
while still keeping and while still going for upper body hypertrophy. So it's more lower body strength instead of lower body hypertrophy. Lower body strength and then slash upper body hypertrophy focus with some athletic work in the process. So how it's going to go is that Monday is going to be more of a, a high bar back squat session with more posterior chain dominant accessories. So it's going to be more uh, GHD work, loading up that eccentric, uh, lengthening out the hamstrings in an eccentric phase. Uh, which I think is very underrated for the hamstrings. And I don't like to do that through Nordics. I'm not the biggest Nordic guy, to be honest with you. Um, I like Nordics a lot, but I don't think they're as great as some people make them out to be. So I do, th yes, I do think they're a little overhyped by some individuals. I think that could be because of the knees over toes, toes guy as well. And some of these like um, American football coaches, these gridiron coaches that, excuse me, that kind of suck off the Nordic curl. It's... It's not as it's it's a it's a good exercise. It's not a bad exercise, but the progression is so unbelievably difficult. Like it's even tougher than progressing into no HP. You know what I mean? Like it's just a tough, tough exercise to progress in. So, I definitely do not think um, Nordics should be in everybody's programming. To be honest with you, I just I just don't like it. A stack for clientele even if they're if they're not an athlete i'd rather just take them over to the ghd if there is an accessibility so that's the positive thing about a nordic is that the nordic has a little bit more um opportunity to be able a more accessibility but most gyms nowadays are actually getting ghds and getting onto ghds so um it's not even that difficult nowadays to find a ghd in a gym um the only places you won't find that type of equipment is at places like snap fitness jet jets and all that but if you go to somewhere like 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 here in perth in australia we have like revo fitness uh a raw fitness these places have ghds they have ghds that are phenomenal and well designed some of them get a little bit cushiony the cushion pushes off the semicircular pad which is pretty annoying but other than that most of them are pretty damn good in terms of their development so ghds i think are incredibly underrated for clients and athletes and noted that as well i feel like you can get a pretty damn good pump off of that for hamstrings anyway and even a little bit of glute so another one as well sliding sliding leg curls that's underrated for eccentric loading on the hamstrings you can load that exercise up a stack in the eccentric phase i don't think people even understand how incredible sliding leg curls are they are underrated as well they are a tremendously that's a lengthening version of a leg curl as well so you have the seated leg curl and then you have your sliding leg curl so people think that it's a shortening exercise the leg curl or the sliding leg curl i personally find it to be more of a lengthening exercise um so i feel like if you really do, like emphasize that eccentric portion on the sliding leg curl or even like a fitball leg curl i think that's just terrific i think that's a great way to go about lengthening your hamstrings then it comes down to like hamstrings adductors as well your adductors are incredibly important for stabilizing the pelvis they are a secondary stabilizer for the pelvis but they also bring your leg into midline as a function as well so i think for the adductors you just go heavy like heavy lateral sled drags like lateral sled drags that you just load the fuck out of the sled drag and you just move a laterally so go stupidly heavy on that and then you have your copenhagen planks your adductors are going to get stupid strong stupid strong so at least you're moving your adductors in a dynamic mannerism and you're also moving them in an isometric mannerism. So you're getting the best of both worlds there. So you have your lateral sled drags where you're moving. And as well, it's great for hip internal rotation as well. So your adductors actually help out a lot with your internal rotation in your hip. So that's one of those 
movements or those ranges of motions where I don't think you can get enough of it. It's like getting, like, you want to get a big, big pair of, you know, you want to get a fucking big ass. Well, honestly, I personally think you can never get big enough glutes. I think that's the same with adductors. I don't think you can seriously get more bigger adductors than possible. Like, adductors can get stupidly, stupidly strong. So can your glute max. Glute max, adductors, hip flexors, and your soleus, those are those four muscle groups that you cannot get not strong enough. Like, that's like, for the lower body, that's those muscle groups where you're like, okay, there's no standard. There's no breaking point. You just continue to get strong in those areas like strong strong as hell and then the muscle mass just comes as a, a counterpart or a placebo to that work ethic that you put into those muscle groups now for the upper body i think the only muscles really for the upper body that in terms of uh like not getting enough of it is probably your upper back and that's it your upper back gets a lot of load uh, even just in lower body exercises to stabilize the load through the thoracic spine so I think your upper back can always get hammered home. Uh, I don't believe in the... T I used to believe in the two-to-one push-pull ratio, but I don't really believe in that anymore. Um, the only reason why I don't believe in that anymore because I don't think the idea of pushing or the actual movement pattern of pushing is what got the individual into a poor posture, a poor um, thoracic kyphosis in the first place. It's mostly the fact that they're just in a shitty posture and have been sitting in that posture. So that reinforcement of being in that bad posture, well, quote unquote bad posture. There's not even, a, there hasn't really been shown in any studies or clinical evidence or even collectively good evidence that a cathodic uh, a cathodic posture in the thoracic spine is a quote-unquote bad posture like it hasn't like people say oh that's a bad posture no it's not a bad posture it's just a it's a it's a posture that's been reinforced i like to call it a, a reinforced confused posture that's what i like to call it a reinforced confused posture so like that's something that it, as university individuals and for our exercise science we've been taught that that's bad like these movements bad this is bad this is bad we got to stop fear-mongering ranges and motions and movement patterns that are meant to be like the human body does not discriminate and does not lie the, if the human body wanted to move through that pattern it will move through that pattern so that's why i, I always get oddly confused why individuals always get a little bit antsy about spinal flexion and loading up spinal flexion. There is nothing wrong with loading up spinal flexion. And people will always go back to the Dr. Stuart McGill studies. And those Dr. Stuart McGill studies are pretty bogus if you've actually had a proper, proper look at them. And the amount of times they got fucking pig spines. Pig spines are absolutely nothing to human spines. The resiliency of the human spine is way, way stronger than the pig spine. And the amount of times that they had to get this pig into spinal flexion in order to find any form or even a slight degree of issue was roughly, I'm pretty sure about 3 million times or 300, it was either 300,000 or 3 million, one of those two numbers. But even if it's at 300,000, that's a lot. Like that's a lot. We're not even doing that within a year, maybe even two years of spinal flexion. No way, no way, no way. Not that much in terms of spinal flexion throughout a day. We would probably flex our spines probably 10 to 15 times a day. 10 to 15 times. I think that's a pretty pretty good number, I'd say. Um, so, yeah, this is something that I just generally never got about individuals when it comes to 
the, the the human body. The human body has a greater resiliency than we believe. Um, and it, I always found it really, really unusual how we always te- tend to demonize any any movement pattern at all. You know what I mean? It's 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 frustrating because we want to get more people to exercise, yet we always want to say this is bad, 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 and it's just frustrating. I'm sick and tired of it, man. Because like as I said, you need to you people need to start looking at the ideas of like why do people get lumbar spine injuries or herniated discs usually let me just discreet as well injuries are always a part of the journey uh of weightlifting and just your your goals if you want it bad enough injuries are just bound to happen unfortunately people say oh you know i haven't been injured yet well not keyword not yet if you if you want it bad enough unfortunately at some point injuries will occur for your body um i've had a lot of injuries for my body a lot of injuries i've had a fractured right big toe I've had Achilles tendonitis. I've had patella tendonitis. What else have I had? I've had... I've had a absolutely completely ruptured shoulder. I've had tra- um, like trap strains. A lot of tra- strain traps. Um, particularly on the right side as well. I had to go to my man Sai about that as well. He's not a physical therapist or a chiro or anything like that. But I, I kept telling him, during my upper body workouts, man, my traps were just hurt. They were just hurting like my right one especially like it just felt very uncomfortable for my traps and that was probably because i was doing too much like shoulder work or too much like i went from overhead press to weight pull-ups to incline dumbbell and the weight was probably too too much and not in that as well my my chest was my shoulders were just fried at that point my lats were fried so there was no stability in the press at all so that's probably why so the traps were starting to take over i actually don't get that trap pain at all with pull-ups so i thought it was from the pull-ups but it's actually not so it's actually mostly from pre- like bench pressing or some sort of pressing movement um so yeah i actually don't get that at all with pull-ups which is pretty good i'm pretty happy about that because weighted neutral like weighted pull-ups uh neutral grip specifically is my all-time favorite upper body exercise period so for me to get rid of that would be so disappointing I wouldn't be happy with that at all because that is my all-time favorite exercise. I'm not strong in it. Like I can, I can go. I reckon maybe by about two to three weeks' time, I reckon I can get a 20 kilos for four by eight. I reckon four by eight for 20 kilos. I reckon is definitely in sight. And then after that, I'll probably go to 25 and go four by six and start there. But yeah, no, like 20 kilos for four by eight, pretty, pretty damn good. Like I'd say so for somebody who weighs about 88 to 90 kilos. That's all right. You know, if I was 80, you know. If if I was 80 kilos and I maintain most of that pull-up volume, which, look, that's kind of what I'm kind of going towards is like this idea of potentially cutting down to 83 kilograms, maybe even 84. 84 to 83 is roughly what I'm looking at at the moment. I don't want to get too, too lean um, because last time I was fucking so tired. I was gassed. I relied too much on caffeine. I was just exhausted, man. I was just out of it for the rest of the day in terms of like just like the whole entire thing man like i just felt like rubbish like it wasn't good um and as well i didn't give my body enough time to get into a calorie surplus so that's another thing as well so maybe i just continued to stick in a calorie surplus for even more time and or even a maintenance and just look to just pack on some size like and that's the thing like building muscle takes a good amount of time so for me to just like kind of get back into a weight cut all over again seems a bit impulsive I would say, when all I can do is just keep gaining muscle mass, gaining muscle mass, gaining muscle mass, eating the correct foods, going to bed, 
getting the hydration that I need every single night and not eating, not eating quote unquote crap, right? I don't like to say crap, but like, I don't want to eat those foods that shouldn't be consistently eaten like burgers, chips, uh, chocolate, ice cream, uh, just like foods like that. Like I want to eat stuff like beef, sweet potato, avocado, broccoli, spinach, uh, what's another vegetable? Uh, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, kale. Like these are the vegetables that I do eat very consistently. And I'm very anal with my greens, like my leafy and dark greens. I always try to get in pretty much like five serves a day, even with breakfast. Um, usually like Monday to Friday, I'll usually have a bacon, like a Mighty McMuffin from Macca's, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, but that's only like 450 calories, but there's a lot of fat inside of it. So it's kind of a waste of calories, to be honest with you. Although there's like 35 grams of protein, uh, there's, there's almost like 40 grams of fat for 450 calories. and like it's good because it actually gives me a bit of an anti-satiety it gives me a satiety feeling with the mighty mcmuffin sounds a bit odd but because it's got high protein and high fats both of those two combined usually for breakfast for me tend to help out so when i go very carby for breakfast i still feel pretty hungry but i get the energy i need to go train so it's all about just kind of manipulating your macros a little bit as well when it comes to your your, your eating as well so that's something that I'm trying to play around with as well. It's just like trying to find the right food sources for energy and just for micronutrients as well. So I don't have any deficiencies in vitamins. Um, because those vitamin pills, that, that some of them can be pretty bad. Like they don't have the right dosages of vitamins that I need. So like I reckon like people, you'll be surprised on how much vitamin D your body can absorb. Like, a like when you're sick, you should be really, really majorly dosing up your vitamin D. You should honestly be quote unquote micro dosing your vitamin D throughout the day. You should be trying to absolutely reinforce a stack of vitamin D while you're sick. Vitamin D and vitamin C while you're sick is gonna be huge. That's gonna be the thing that's gonna quote unquote help your immunity out. Uh, same thing, I reckon superfoods, immunity, all that stuff's like fucking like all these rubbish like like fancy words for people to get into these certain things like look immunity is a word like immunity systems thing like it's like it's not not a thing but people use that as a marketing ploy for certain things and like it doesn't work out for to people's plans and then they get upset because they said oh it's gonna help my immune system it's gonna help me yeah yeah well, okay, okay, whatever shit but this is it so like for me i'm looking at i reckon for breakfast in terms of nutrition i'm thinking eggs eggs are 50 50 for me man i don't know about eggs man eggs are a bit of an odd one i could go egg whites but egg whites taste bad they just taste yeah they don't taste that great fruit does pretty well for me for breakfast so i may actually start to get fruit in my breakfast so maybe something like pineapple or watermelon or even like kiwi fruit because those are the three fruits that i try to tend to gun for and banana of course for the potassium but like those are the food, though the fruits that I try to seek out is watermelon for the hydration because there's water in watermelon, of course. That's what that's why it's called watermelon. <laughs> uh, pineapple for like a stack of vitamin C, it tastes phenomenal. You can, and vitamins very, uh, excuse me, not vitamin. Pineapple was very versatile, so you can actually put it with savory foods as well. Obviously, like you could put it with your beef as well, so you can have like beef or even chicken and pineapple as well then you can put a bit of like i like to put a bit of sriracha qp which is unbelievable for like like a bit of like like roasted chicken a bit of salt and pepper a bit of thyme 
to put on your chicken. Then you put sweet potato on the side and then pineapple and red capskin. Oh my God. Oh my God, it tastes incredible. It's unreal. Then I have a little bit of a Coke Zero on the side. Oh man, you can't go wrong. So I'm thinking for breakfast, I start to get on some like cream of rice. So cream of rice, then maybe some protein powder, maybe like one to two scoops a day. Probably two. I, probably, I like to go very high protein for breakfast just so like I'm not having to worry about distributing it out throughout the day and having to get like protein shakes and all that stuff from stores. Because some of that protein stuff is so stupidly like ridiculous. Like there's like protein cookies from Muscle Chef. Sorry, I got to call that Muscle Chef. And look, they don't taste that great. They taste like absolute bricks. And the macronutrients in it is just horrendous. Like 350 cal 365 calories or something like that for like 25 grams of protein. That's that's terrible. Like you can get two scoops of protein powder and get 50 plus grams easily if you pick the right protein powder and a good like source of whey protein isolate. It's rubbish. And it pissed, it really frustrated me this morning because I went to go grab a Muscle Chef um, protein shake from the servo and no joke, this thing had creatine monohydrate and L-cartanine. That shit annoys me when like companies add creatine monohydrate into products. Like C4 used to do that. C4 used to add like three grams of creatine. And I'm like, dude, get the fuck out of here. Like, just let me add my, like my serving of like creatine. I don't know. It's a bit of a weird critique, but like, it just frustrates me because like we ha we can use, just separate the modalities. Like it's okay to just like not have creatine monohydrate. Like it's not gonna make you drink any fucking better or more marketed that you had creatine monohydrate. Keep the creatine monohydrate separate and let me like kind of dose in my own five grams of creatine monohydrate if I wanted to do that. So today I had about like eight grams of creatine monohydrate, which just frustrates me because like, that's not like kind of what I try to do with my creatine monohydrate. I try to just get five Gs a day and that's really it. And noting that as well, I've noticed that there's like, there, it was really weird because like creatine monohydrate actually had a shortage um, a few, uh, maybe like two months ago. Apparently that there was like a shortage of creatine, but how the fuck do you get a shortage of creatine? Like it's, it's fucking water. Like there's no way you can get like, look guys, like I'll show you like for, for like people, some people don't even know what creatine monohydrate is. I'll show you guys what create, what creatine monohydrate is, right? So creatine monohydrate is basically, so if you looked at the formula for creatine monohydrate, right now, I, I'm not an absolute expert in this. But I can tell you a little bit, right? So, so from like what I'm looking at right now, right? The creatine monohydrate formula, if I go into, I'm going to go into PubMed to look at the compounds of it. Okay. So like literally right while I'm talking to you guys, I'm looking at the molecular formula. So we have right here, we have fucking hell, it's taking ages. Hang on. Okay. So. Yeah, so basically, like, if you if you guys don't know, like, just in short terms, like, creatine monohydrate just basically makes your muscles look a bit more fuller. So, if you look at the structures, I'm trying to figure out creatine monohydrate. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm literally, like, I, we did, like, we did, like, the tiniest, tiniest research of creatine monohydrate in university. Like, we talked about it. But like, and we, we knew the dosages and everything like that. But like, it frustrates me as well because like, look, creatine is, creatine monohydrate is phenomenal. I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, 
supplement. Like if I had to pick one supplement for most people, I'd definitely tell them, go get creatine monohydrate. Just go get it. Creatine monohydrate and then maybe like fish oil and zinc. Like go get those three and magnesium, magnesium. So those four and then fifth would be whey protein isolate because like whey protein isolate is fantastic for those individuals that have like busy jobs, you know, they have full-time jobs. So when they're at work, all they have to do is just go boom, one scoop, shake and scull it down. But some proteins just taste like shit. Some of them taste disgusting. You know what I mean? Like some of them just aren't that good. But like the the thing about creatine monohydrate, it's it, it it's like so basically like what happens is that like the creatine acts as like a it it acts like as a as a as a buffer, right? So. So the creatine is like a buffer for the for the molecules. So we have ATP, right? So ATP is is the it's basically like a compound that just provides like energy to the living cells. Okay, so like it provides like this ability, like it's like this, it's like a it's a, it's, a, it's a compound that just allows us allows the body to operate at its function. So like muscle contractions, uh, chemical synthesis. So basically, like. It just helps out with energy transfer uh, between cells, right? So when it converts either to ADP or AMP, so ADP is another chemical, okay? So this is essential for the flow of energy, right? So ATP is the thing that provides the energy or the driver, and then the ADP is the 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 maintainer i'd say the the maintenance of the energy in the living cells so you need to know that like what like with creatine monohydrate basically what it does it it, it allows like almost like an ah uh, it's almost like an amplification. So it facilitates the recycling of ATP. And the recycling is achieved by converting by converting ADP back to ATP via the phosphate group. So like, yeah. So like creatine monohydrate, guys, is a supplement I definitely would tell people to get into. Um, you don't need to, Mac, don't worry about fucking loading. Please don't load. For God's sake, don't load. It's the cringiest stuff. Don't do 20 Gs a day. For seven days in a row that's silly that's silly okay but definitely guys i will like at some point for sure make like some sort of like a youtube video from apns about like what creatine monohydrate actually does you know what i mean so that that's uh that's important guys you need to learn like figure out what these supplements do so even with pre-workouts guys like pre-workouts we have stuff like beta alanine citron maleate but like some people don't even know how to use these things you know what i mean like some people think like like this is like people just think oh creatine and that's it right like people think like they're gonna gain a shit ton of muscle mass from creatine monohydrate well if you think that that's you're you're completely incorrect that's not how creatine monohydrate works like that's not how creatine works right so yeah 
And you got to remember, like creatine, like the the, the the synthesis. So synthesis is like the, the the processing of creatine goes through the liver and the kidneys. So that's why when people tell you don't have 10 Gs a day, yeah, fucking don't have 10 Gs a day. That's that's ridiculous, right? Don't have too much. Like, don't have an over over the top amount of creatine, right? So, like five grams a day is plenty, man. Um, you could definitely get on glycine as well, guys. Glycine is an excellent before bed. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about like having like a gram, like two grams of glycine before going to bed. Um, it's a, it's basically like an amino acid, but I've heard some really good things about taking it, like helping it out for yourself to go to bed. Okay, so that's one way to do it. But like you know, definitely do your own research when it comes to glycine, guys. Like don't get all stupid with glycine or anything like that. Please just. Just don't, all right? So, yeah, but, like, if I were to give you guys, like, supplementation recommendations, like, which supplements should you take, I would recommend, number one, definitely creatine monohydrate. Number two, I would go, um, number two, I'd definitely say zinc. Three, magnesium is another one as well, but there's so many magnesiums out there, you would be absolutely shocked that... Like, I prefer magnesium glycinate, glycinate, so that's basically one that's going to just help out with deficiencies. It's going to help out with, like, just increasing that level of magnesium in your body as well. So it's, it's, quite, it's quite good for the body. Um, so basically helps out with just anxiety, helps out with mental health regulation as well. That's a great thing about magnesium in general. Just great for um, just like stability and anxiety. It's been actually a lot of research in um, like magnesium dosing dosaging for anxiety. So I definitely do think that's a fantastic one. It's not going to completely solve your anxiety, so don't you know jump to the gun with stupid shit like that. But I I think that magnesium glycinate will definitely be fantastic, man. I definitely prefer to take it before bed as well. So. Um, yeah, and people talk about casein protein before bed. Uh, you don't need to do that stuff. Like, the casein protein before bed's okay. Like, it's fine. Like, it's going to help out. But it, it's the, the actual the amount that it is going to help out is not as much as you would think. So, like, magnesium glycinonite, I definitely recommend for individuals that also get leg cramps as well. For individuals that go through um, menstrual cycle as well. Um, so... So PMS, okay, so menstrual um, cramps as well. Like magnesium is gonna be, magnesium glycinate is gonna be fantastic for that as well. Okay, so, so premenstrual syndrome, okay. Uh, bones, blood sugar regulation. Um, cognitive as well, magnesium has been tremendous for cognitive work as well. So definitely recommend getting into that for sure. So yeah, magnesium glycinate is absolutely just fucking phenomenal i think magnesium in general is very underappreciated people know about magnesium like if you're in the industry you know magnesium what magnesium is but i don't think people understand how damn good magnesium is like for your body and how much you need it for recovery and as well like if your cns is pretty cooked uh from training that's definitely a good supplementation to start to flog into your your stack as well is magnesium okay so like, as I said, I prefer magnesium glycinonate. I think that's the glycinonate. I think that's the best 
one or the the, the best version of magnesium because you guys gotta remember there's like almost a dozen versions of magnesium right so like if you go for all like all the magnesiums out there guys like you have magnesium citrate you have magnesium glis uh, glycinate you have magnesium chloride you have magnesium lactate magnesium malleate magnesium taurate magnesium sulfate, magnesium oxide so like all of these have like different benefits um so like like a really good one is ma magnesium citrate as well magnesium citrate's fantastic i think that's a great one as well um magnesium like oxide and taurate like those are ones that you really really don't need like it's completely unnecessary but like magnesium glycinate is the best one uh, in my opinion from the research that i've done i feel like for individuals that need like good dosages of magnesium or like need to really improve their recovery or even go to bed a little bit better magnesium glycinate is probably the best one so basically like it's pretty much like it's it's gonna be like an eight because like it's almost like magnesium plus glycine so like you know that's the thing like glycine is another thing as well if you wanted to dosage in do it you know what i mean and then just play around with it um zinc is gonna be absolutely just game changer for anybody i am a huge fan of zinc supplementation i think zinc, zinc supplementation is unbelievable i think it's like one of the best like like supplementations you can take um for your body so like it's just going to really help out with inflammation acne okay and a lot of individuals who are vegan will suffer from um zinc deficiency so i for anybody who is vegan out there um or is a vegetarian i definitely do recommend having a zinc supplementation on the sideline okay so for vegans that are into bodybuilding or hypertrophy training you definitely should be trying to figure out ways to counteract amino acids, okay? Particularly as you're not getting those amino acids from meat or... And that's the thing about protein count and like like what is objectively the best protein. Objectively, the best proteins are going to be meats. So beef, chicken, turkey. That's just what it is. Like ethically, I get where you're coming from and I understand, but like in terms of like the nutrition, nutritional density and the amino acid counts in like products that are meat they are better they are the best objectively by studies by amino acid count um they are the best and the best way as a vegan to get those amino acids is combining proteins so combining proteins is probably your best way to counteract that amino amino acid deficiency and supplementing in an essential amino acids count uh, essential amino acid supplementation and then just getting stuff like magnesium glycine creatine monohydrate and zinc into your supplementation so that's something that i would personally start to get into if you're a vegan as well so definitely think about zinc for sure because zinc is going to be absolutely massive um but look not the end of the world like so like mushrooms and kale and asparagus and beets have um and asparagus like peas all of them have like good amounts of zinc so start to really like um like try and get them into that into your body but like the thing same thing as well like this is the issue as well with like vegan sub like vegan or vegetables as or even like plant-based foods in general when it comes to the absorption like the efficiency that these foods absorb into your body it's just not as it's not as strong as 
like meat or like meat products so you just have to be wary of that if you're a vegan but like definitely just like just get amongst it like you know what i mean like just just as i said just like get a supplementation for zinc uh, as a vegan and honestly you'll be all g to go i reckon so that's my recommendation for those individuals who are running on a vegan uh diet okay or chronic or nutrition sorry that's not the right word to say diet because nutrition is long-term diet short-term so i like to think of something as a long-term investment and nutrition is a long-term investment well it's a lifelong investment <laughs> so yeah so i definitely do recommend for individuals as i said like fish oil like fish oil uh tablets zinc magnesium uh you know glycinate okay that's probably my absolute perfect consideration for magnesium dosage all right uh creatine monohydrate for sure you definitely need those five g's a day baby um i i've seen some people say they have 10 grams a day that's fucking stupid like uh, there's no rationale even if it's a weight gain thing that's so dumb like so dumb you don't need to go 10 grams a day that's not good for your body man particularly in the long run man like 10 to 15 grams a day is honestly pretty dangerous for your body can leave your livers and kidneys particularly because creatine is quite a powerful supplementation in terms of like how it has to sympathize in the liver and the kidney so man you got to be careful don't just like flog that shit in just for the sake of it now obviously people talk about the safety creatine is the it's a bit cliche to say but creatine is the most researched supplementation out there so like it's honestly gonna be perfectly fine to have creatine monohydrate you're not gonna be in any type of issue or anything like that now there are also certain supplements out there as well you can use if you want a quote-unquote extra edge so if you want to be that individual that kind of like he that like everything's sorted like everything like they have the sleep hydration creatine monohydrate all that stuff calories accounted like what did they want to do next right beta alanine is massive like beta alanine is a legit sup some people don't like it but beta alanine is very very potent it's a very potent amino acid so it has been shown massively so i actually found this um from the journal of the international society of sport nutrition okay so this is the effects of beta alanine supplementation during a five-week uh, strength training program a randomized controlled study okay so what they did they had 30 healthy strength individuals okay over five weeks subjects on beta alanine 6.4 grams of beta alanine a day that's a fuck ton of beta alanine that's like double what you would get in pre-workout as eight by 800 milliliter dosage at least okay so it was spread out over like one and a half hours each time three sessions per week three different leg exercises as a circuit squat barbell step ups and loaded jumping lunges okay three sets of 40 seconds per work resting for about three minutes in the first week training volume gradually build up to five sets of 20 60 seconds fifth week blah 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 okay so variables were were measured uh, average velocity peak velocity average power peak power loading kilograms incremental load one rep mactitian rep uh sorry one one rm test um in addition to rest period jump ability uh jump height power the force uh assessing the platform okay so 
according to this, what I was showing was that there were significant greater training improvements were observed in the beta alanine uh, group versus the placebo group. Okay, the confident, uh, the P. Oh yeah, okay. So the confidence interval was about ninety-five percent for the for the beta alanine group. So if your confidence interval is at ninety-five, usually that means it's pretty damn good. Okay, so basically, what if you if you guys want to know what a confidence interval is for a study? Okay, so once you this is important, guys. You need to learn how to read uh, papers. Okay, so basically, uh, it, it it provides like. The confidence interval provides a, a a range around an estimate, okay? So like the stability of that estimate, okay? So if it's at 95%, that means it's pretty, pretty damn accurate, right? So um, like it, there's certain ranges, okay? So it can go from zero to 100, but if it's at 95%, then that means that there's a 95% chance of getting the same result if you repeated the study again okay so yeah that's important to remember and then you have the p-value okay so the p-value is another one as well okay so basically a p-value is the probability of obtaining the observed results all over again all right so basically the lower the p-value the greater the statistical significance of the observed study was found okay so the p-value here was 0.045 so that is pretty damn low so that means if it's below 0.05 then usually it means that like the result like it, it, it if it's if it's around that point then like sometimes like the hypothesis could be false as well so like you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt, the p-value as well. So the p-value presents like a statistical ability to repeat the same thing and still get the same result. So it's pretty much like a confidence, it, the confidence interval and the p-interval, uh, the, the confidence interval and the p-value go hand in hand, okay? So average power output, okay? So 0 0.037. Uh, as well so all the power outputs were all increased <sighs> excuse me for the beta alanine group okay so there was much more so basically they went up by about they went up by about 24 kilograms okay and then the the placebo group went up only by about went up by about 16 kilos okay so 24, 16, okay, so it's about an 8 kilo increment, okay? So what they did was a a pretest, okay? So they, if you see, I, I, the figure right here just says like week one, pretest, five weeks from two, two to six, and then a post test, okay? So I'm just trying to look at these studies here, guys, and then the only, so they were separated from 15 to 15, okay? So that's another thing. Uh, 26 subjects were by the end of it. Okay, so people do drop out and everything like that as well. Okay. Um, the age was about 21.85. Okay. 80 kilos. About 6 foot. 
and then BMI was about 24, so just a little. So that they're probably pretty jacked, or well, they have some sort of muscle mass on them, okay? So 14 in the beta alanine, 12 in the PLA. I, like 14 and 12 is roughly even, like it's roughly even, okay? So like I would have preferred 13, 13, but it is what it is. You can't do much about it. Okay, so you got to look at the dosages as well, guys. The dosages are important. So when we have beta alanine, guys, okay? So beta alanine for us, it's about 3.2 grams is rough ballpark like how much beta alanine you should try and go for about three three to five three to five grams of beta alanine you have any more than that you're gonna be absolutely just pinging off your face and you're gonna be scratching like a motherfucker so yeah so it's uh that's some pretty crazy shit right there so okay so yeah the the program was pretty the program's pretty shit like it's just like i don't know it's like it's eh like it's all right so then you look at the actual programming, okay? So they went week one, 40 seconds, working time, 35, 30, 25, and 20, okay? And then they slowly increased, slowly decreased all the rest in the time, and then they increased the sets, okay? So, and then they based it on RPE. That's fucking fantastic. I think that's great that they based it on RPE and not a percentage, okay? So they're getting more volume in, okay? Um, less working load, but more... Uh, increased sets okay so more volume work in so the intensity should somewhat kind of change all right so like this is a this is a pretty good study like i definitely say this is a good study to look at guys if you want to look at the the potency of beta alanine okay so yeah beta alanine is a great one to definitely get amongst as well okay so if you want something that's going to kind of give you that bit of an edge as well in your training um even if you don't have pre-workout if you wanted to have a cup of coffee and, and you got to remember, guys, like, don't don't mix your beta alanine with, like, a hot long black because then, like, the actual chemicals start to do fuck all, right? Because it's hot, right? So it's not going to absorb as well in the in the drink, okay? So if you are going to have, like, beta alanine and all that stuff, maybe get something like maybe orange juice, maybe even, like, uh, maybe even a monster can do the trick as well. So, like, monster, and then you just stir like the fucking beta alanine and all that stuff through or even just water so like just use water man so like just have your creatine monohydrate get your beta alanine citra malleate okay flog that in all right and then maybe some pink salt okay just so we get a little bit of sodium in there um banana just so you get some potassium in your body before you go to work before you go to train as well so like all those things can make for a natural pre-workout without having to buy your own pre-workout and just do your research, guys. Like, just look into what makes a damn good pre-workout. So, most of the times, it's like beta alanine. It's citrulline malleate, okay? Uh, creatine monohydrate, you don't need for pre-workout. You can take that whenever you want. There's no, like, sexy time on when to take creatine monohydrate, okay? Take it whenever you want. Um, so, yeah, same thing with citrulline malleate. Three to six grams for a pre-workout is pretty damn good, all right? So... Just learn, like, if you wanted to make your own pre-workout, you easily could, like, and it would be probably just as, like, efficient price-wise than anything else. So, like, that's the cool thing about, like, the, the supplement industry nowadays is that you can actually get some really, really sick formulas. And caffeine as well, man. So, if you wanted to take your caffeine in, like, supplementation form, like, you absolutely can. So, that's, that's like, a really, really cool little thing to try and give a shot 
is just like trying to try these different ingredients out. All right, so get amongst it, give it a shot, and then just like kind of see how you go from there, man. So just enjoy it, have fun, you know, and then yeah, just just get a good pump, man. Just get a good pump, and then just figure out the supplementations as you start to get a little bit better with it. All right, guys, I'm gonna call it there. I think that's been enough talking for me today because I literally had no breaks as well between this whole entire thing. So. Yeah, just literally just me just venting and talking. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you, you know, leave some comments or maybe potentially just like give some love to this podcast at some point. Share it out with you. Share it out with you. Uh, share it out with whoever you have. Like, you can share it out to. <laughs> and then, yeah, we'll see how we go from there. All right, guys, thank you so much. Have a good one. And um, I'll probably see you sometime soon. All right. Peace out.